Hey guys, welcome to our podcast today. So today we're doing our theme study of our books we read. My name's Nathan. My name's Austin. My name's Ellen. And my name's Aiden. And I read the book called The Son of Neptune, where Percy goes to Alaska to kill a giant named Alconius, who is Hades' counterpart, because Mars, the god of war, told them that if they didn't, they would die. So during this journey, Percy is struggling with his memory because he has lost all of his thoughts throughout the other books, a.k.a. the Percy Jackson series. This shows that Percy used to have a great life with his old friends, and now he has to build a new foundation with new friends. This also shows how much this changes Percy as a character, and how this changes the setting around him, being that everyone around him used to know him as a hero, but now no one knows him at all. This makes him the unknown hero. My name's Austin, and I read The Bud of Olympus. In the beginning of the book, the heroes go to find out what Gia's true plan is. When they get there, they find out that their entire army has gathered on the island, and then they have to circle the whole island because they don't have the manpower to fight them. Then, the heroes use Odysseus's marriage bed to summon Juno, who tells them how to succeed in their quest. At Olympia, the heroes are forced into partaking in, into the deadly games to trap the goddess Nike, and she reveals a deadly prophecy about one of the three heroes and how to avoid it. They obtain the three ingredients, but during their mini-quests, the giants were resurrected and tried to kill the heroes. They receive help from Apollo to create the potion. Meanwhile, the other heroes are faced with their own challenges. They shadow travel to multiple different places and face different giant challenges whom they defeat. Then, everyone returns to Camp Half-Blood where the Romans have been planning an attack. Then they, have the, then they bring the statue, which makes the Romans stand down. During this, the giants attack and they have a war with the gods and demigods versus the giants and Gia's forces. Annabeth and Percy get injured and Gia rises. Then Piper charms speaks Gia back to sleep, and Leo sacrifices himself, but is saved by the potion they made earlier after everyone thinks he died. The demigods go to have a somewhat normal life, and the camps are basically combined. This is Alan, and I read the book, The Trials of Apollo, The Hidden Oracle. In the book, the god Apollo was blamed for Octavian, his son's action, and he was turned into a human to complete his trials to become a god again. When he crash-landed on Earth, he landed in an alley in, Ma- in Manhattan in a dumpster where he is saved from two thugs by a young girl named Meg. After she saves Apollo, she claims his service, so he has to help her and do whatever she says. Apollo and Meg then go to find Percy Jackson so he can take them to Camp Half-Blood so they can stay safe there from monsters. Once they get to the camp, they meet with Chiron, the centaur who leads the camp, and they figure out that the camp is basically empty because the campers that are staying there have been going missing, and the other campers have gone to the Roman camp to go to college. When they figure out that campers have gone missing, Apollo starts trying to figure out why they're going missing, and he learns that he has to also participate in the camp activities with the rest of the campers. And then he gets very scared when he realizes he's going to have to do a three-legged chainsaw death race with Meg as his partner the next day in the labyrinth. During the race, Apollo and Meg somehow end up underneath the cave of Delphi, which is one of Apollo's sacred places for his oracles, and Apollo figures out that his arch nemesis, Python, is back and realizes that his trials to take care of Python and take back the oracles. After he realizes this, Meg and him start the quest to find the grove of Dodona while doing that. Meg is captured by Mermeeks and taken to their lair, which is very dangerous and also happens to be the interest 
to the Grove. Apollo runs back to camp to get armed and fight the mermaids after they take Meg to their base. And then he goes to the Grove and saves Meg, wraps to a giant queen ant, and then saves the Grove and the rest of the campers. And then he gets betrayed by Meg because she's working for one of his nemesises. And they go back to camp where Leo comes back and decides to help him with his quest of saving the oracles. In the four books we read, we found a common theme between each story. Fighting hardships is something that everyone has to do in their life, but some people have to make exponentially harder life choices. So my book, The Son of Neptune, Percy goes to Alaska to kill, Alaska to kill a giant named Nalconius. And during this journey, during the whole book, Percy, Percy is struggling with finding his memory throughout the book. And this shows that Percy has had a great life with his old friends, but now he has to build a new foundation. And this also shows how much this changes Percy as a character and how the setting changes around him, being that everyone around him used to know him, but now no one knows him at all. In the blood of Olympus, the demigods have to fight hardships through all of the books. In many instances, their lives are put in danger by their actions. And at the same time, if they don't risk their own life on the line, and they, they in turn endanger the whole world. At one spot in the book, Jason, one of the heroes, gets stabbed in the gut by a spirit he's fighting and almost dies. He was fighting the army of spirits with his friends to help because if they didn't kill them now, they would have stopped them from completing their original mission. By taking the risk of death when fighting the spirits, they made a hard life choice to fight for the greater good and not be selfish and run away and cause everyone in the world to die. This is how my book relates to the theme. In the trials of Apollo, Apollo was turned into a human as punishment for his kids starting a war with the Greek demigods. Once he's human, Meg claims his service and he has to do whatever she tells him to. They learn about the problems the demigods have been having, and Apollo realizes that his hardship is going to be helping the demigods and getting the oracles back so they can have quests. He also has to overcome the hardship of being a human and doing all of this without his godly powers. Lastly, this is how my book relates to the theme. In the Dark Oracle, Apollo is traveling to Indianapolis to stop Nero, an evil Roman ruler and his comrades, in order to save the oracles. When they arrive in Indianapolis, Apollo is struggling with life as a mortal and with his new fear of being able to die as his battles only get harder as he goes on. This shows how used to an easy life Apollo was and how when he was forced into hardships, he was not prepared and he was angered that he was forced to do this mission. This also shows how inevitable challenges are, that even a god like himself is forced to deal with them in life. Okay, guys, so for our first discussion question... Do the demigods help their godly parents out of their own free will, or do they do because they have to? So what do you guys think? I think it's a little bit of both. Like with the Percy Jackson, for example, he's kind of forced into helping them because he got his memory taken away, like Aiden said in his book, and sent to a different camp. And then um, and then in my book, he willingly helps Apollo by taking him to the camp so he can be safe. In my book, I would say it was... Kind of both, because, like, they chose to help him, but, like, if they didn't help him, they would have died. And, like, the Roman Roman counterparts would have taken over that would have taken over. I also agree because in both Nathan and Alan's books, since Apollo got turned into a demigod and wants to be a god again, he has to do these trials. So either he has to or he's going to stay a demigod forever. That's it. I agree with 
you guys that it's a mix of both really because I feel like there's some points where they just choose out of the kindness of their heart to help but then there's some points where the gods are like hey do this or we're gonna kill you and yeah uh, I really just agree with you guys that it's a mix of both at least they call passenger wait 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 wait, wait 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 next question how do the actions of the demigods affect the gods I think it really affects them in the sense that, like, it's almost like a penalty in a football game. They would act, you know, like those calls that just don't make sense. The gods are sitting there like, what are they doing down there? And suddenly they just kill something or break something, and now it gravely affects them. They're like, oh, now our whole society is collapsing. Or some demigod's like, hey, I'm going to awaken the Antichrist, basically. Uh, <laughs> the guy who awakened Kronos, I forgot his name. Luke. Luke, there you go. He did that. His well, the actions, guy who awakened Gia. Who was that again? Octavian. Octavian. So the those are two great cases of demigods doing some stupid stuff that literally affected everybody, gods and humans. Octavian's the whole reason Apollo got turned to a human. Exactly. So without him, we wouldn't have had the great series, The Trials of Apollo. <laughs> oh, uh, and with my book, <laughs> with my book, the demigods' actions really affected the gods because if the Greek, the Greek people didn't like do what they did, then the Roman Roman gods would have just completely overpowered the Greeks, and that would have greatly impacted the gods. I really agree with that because that was a huge part of that series. I don't remember the exact name of that series, the but Heroes it was like, of Olympus. It was the whole part. It was the whole part about the conflicting gods, their Roman side, their Greek side, fighting for control, and that's where the demigods really affected them. Because like the more that the Roman side prayed to the god, the more control the Roman side had. I mean, they like, kind of came over to their camp and threatened to destroy it so that the Greeks wouldn't have yeah, a chance to stay alive. But exactly. Basically, yeah. the more the Greeks and Romans fought, the more the, the gods, gods had to get involved mentally and physically. And one of the gods had to hide so that the Roman didn't kill her. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that really shows how much the demigods have an effect on the gods and how much it kind of goes back and forth between them, really. Yeah, I also agree with all these points because demigods' actions majorly affect the gods at how what they're doing. So if like they kill somebody that wrongfully, that you know the gods told them not to, then that's going to greatly shift them in a bad situation. Whereas if they killed like a giant and they were supposed to, then you know they're going to be in a good situation. That's very giantess of you, Aiden. I just want to say I don't really accept that on our proud uh, SJW podcast. But uh-huh. we do at the same time. <laughs> but at the same time, I will allow it. You know? Aiden, in your book, wasn't it where... No, it was in one of the stories. I don't know if it was any of ours, but it was in one spot where someone injured Poseidon's son. And so Poseidon made him made, made it so they couldn't do anything on the water or whatever. Oh, yes. Uh, crap. That was one of the original Percy Jackson books, but I remember... I think it was the Odysseus. It was, it was some... Wasn't it the one where Kronos got revived? When they fought on it was the last boat, yeah, no, I, I know it's one where they went was, to the maze. One of the sons of Poseidon, yeah, in the maze one. One of the sons of Poseidon got incredibly hurt by I don't. One it was some. Giants. It was a giant. Percy, I think Percy or someone or stabbed him in the eye, so he couldn't see. Mm, the Titan on uh, on Coney the Island, giant. Coney Island. Yeah, whatever that place was called. And uh, what did that have to do with Poseidon, though, really? Because Poseidon got mad at them for. Attacking their son, so they oh, yeah, no, 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 you're thinking about Odysseus. Odysseus is the one that got punished for that, and that was a long time ago. Odysseus 
Yeah, they went back there and the Cyclops yeah. was still yeah. living there. Still Odysseus blind. made the Cyclops blind, which angered Poseidon. So Poseidon cursed that whenever he went on the sea, bad yeah. things would happen. Okay. I understand what you mean now. So I think then, you're talking about the person. So then his things. island was in the Bermuda Triangle, which is extremely dangerous for demigods even yeah. more than mortals. So because of the actions of one demigod, the entire area of the Bermuda Triangle got basically condemned. Yeah. Yeah. So that really does that really does show the effect they have. But anything we have right now. No, we know. I think about this question. Not playing very good. serious question. We actually got to talk about who we think is going to win the Patriots or the Ravens this weekend. Ooh, that, that actually a is a very game, close. Bro. So anyway, guys, here with question five. How do the stories of the books connect to each other? How do you guys think? Uh, so the books, the stories of the books, definitely connect to each other very well because. The very first series, the one that none of us read, but those lead into the Heroes of Olympus, which is the one Aiden read is the second one, and I read the fifth one. And his leads to the third, the fourth, and the fourth leads to mine. And then mine leads to Alan's, whose leads to the second book, which leads to yours. Yes. So Rick Riordan wrote his books that every single book connects to the next one. Even the Percy Jackson series connects to like his Magnus Chase one, which is about the Norse gods. And yes. they even mentioned Percy Jackson in the Egyptian one, which I didn't know existed until like two years ago. But like he he has all his books connected into one like major story, which really makes you think that like if the Egyptian gods, the Norse gods, the Greek gods are all there, just that's got to be crowded up in heaven, like, you know? Yeah, and also... <laughs> like, what it's got to be crowded <laughs> like, up there. We saw what happened when the Greeks and the Romans almost fought. What would happen if the Greeks and the Romans fought the Norse or the yeah. Egyptians? Like, Greeks a, big, and the Romans would like a big, like, pantheon battle. Yeah, like, they're, like, a free-for-all, except for, like, the Greek and Romans would be combined, obviously. The Greeks and Romans would murder because, because they would have now. the gods' help on their side. Yeah, and but Egyptians and Norse would have the gods, too. No, they don't. Yeah, every Greek I've read, those, every I've read those books, so the gods don't help them in that. They do in the Egyptians a lot. They don't. They do a lot. Egyptians, they literally like will stand next to their person, hold their hand, basically, and but they don't like attack for it. And the Norse, yeah, they one, they literally do. And the one Norse person. one, okay, but the thing is, in the Norse one, the gods don't help very much. Yeah, some of those gods are like insane. Thor. Yeah, <laughs> but like, but they're still there. Like, if they needed to help their kids, I'm pretty sure they would. Yeah. Yeah, so, Thor. He got a beer belly in one of the movies recently. <laughs> he was playing Fortnite too. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's get back on topic. So the talk about the books connecting to each other, that's a definite yes, because every book leads to the next one. Even the ending of the series, which none of us liked, led honestly pretty well into Alan's book, Betrayal of Apollo, the new series. And I think that really shows how well Rick Riordan is able to connect his stories and all of them do share that theme of overcoming challenges and things like that and I think that's a really good way he's made his stories. Dang a really fun way to add that in there at the end. Like like up here bro. We we, have, we don't have like zero fill bro. Now I will agree Dragon Ball is better than the Baruto arc. Minus the time travel part. Baruto. Naruto's trash. Naruto is Naruto not, definitely is better. No, he's not. No, yes, he it is, is not. No. Dude, Goku is So, um, anyways, uh, the ne next question. Um, uh, does the demigod's culture affect their life decisions? Uh, I personally think that it greatly affects their decisions. The fact that they're from the age of probably, I think it's like 12 onward, they're 16. being 16, is yeah. it? No, they're, it's as soon as they become a teenager. Yeah, I thought it was like 13, 14, maybe yeah. 12. But it's like as soon as they turn that age, they're being hunted down. Like they can be tracked by monsters and stuff. And the gods are finally like, hey, you're my kid. 
because hey, they don't really. Up? That's another part of the culture. They really just have long distance relationships. Well, they have to no put, non-existent relationships. They have to put satyrs into the. Unless into you want to be. Well, well. Easy, Alan. Easy, Alan. They've, they've got to put satyrs into the into the school systems so that if they think that there is a a student that is one of the sons that that, that they can take them out once the people like attack them or whatever. Because in uh, in uh, the first book of our the Heroes of Olympus. Jason and whoever them don't know that they're Jason part of it. Piper Leo, wasn't it? Yeah, in I the first so. book? Yeah, Jason. So. They didn't know that they were part of it. And then one of the students on the bus. No, it was the teacher. No, it was a student. No, it was a student. One, one of the students the on the bus, when they got to their place, literally turned into a storm spirit and started attacking them. Oh, and, yeah, and then the teacher turned out to be a satyr. That's what yeah. I was saying. Yeah, Coach Hedge. Coach Hedge. And Coach Jason Hedge. had to goat. fight the storm spirit. Can I just point out real quick? Coach Hedge is the goat. Literally. literally. <laughs> and so figuratively. He is awesome. But, but anyway, also, yeah. if you want to, so the parents don't really get involved with their children yeah. until, like, unless you're like Percy Jackson or Jason, all those, because those demigods, those seven, kind of, kind of force their parents to be involved with them. Like Percy Jackson will literally walk over to the ocean and be like, Dad, talk to me. <laughs> and even Jackson, his dad will sometimes just like leave him on red, basically. Percy yeah. Jackson has I, literally gone up to Olympus to talk to them. Yeah. So he will probably do that whenever he has to. <laughs> That's like your parents leaving you on red, so you drive to their work so you can talk to them. <laughs> I agree. Embarrass them in front of their co-workers. That I, is exactly what Percy did. <laughs> yeah, I agree that this is really weird because they have to go to a camp in order to find out who their parent is when they're like a teenager, and then they claim like them adopted. by putting a little symbol over their head and be like, everybody's like, oh my goodness, he's the son or daughter of this person. Yeah, I think that's I think the whole situation of, like, you get brought to this camp and then you're suddenly told, like, hey, your parent is actually a god. And if you believe – Or goddess. Or goddess, sorry. And basically, imagine if you're, like, a Muslim kid and you get taken to this camp and suddenly you're told, yeah, your god's a lie. It's that one. (laughs) And that one is your mother. (laughs) Just imagine the culture shock that that would be if you were living, like, if you were a Christian – or Jewish or Muslim, and then you're suddenly told, yeah, it's the Greek gods, and one of them is your parent. I, I think that would just be crazy to hear about. Okay, Austin. So the top 10 players last season was Aaron Donald at number one, Mahomes at two, Khalil at three, Brady, obviously, at top four. DeAndre was five, way better than your stupid Michael. Six was Rodgers. Seven was Julio. Eight was Von Miller. Oh, yeah. Speaking of number eight... Do the prophecies in the book predict the action of the characters, or do they predict the outcomes of their actions, or both? I believe it is both, because I think those prophecies, because they they got everything down to a T. They know exactly what's going to happen. No, they don't. Yes, they do. They don't. They only yes. know what's going to happen. Yes, they know what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. Just like no, Patriots games, like they're all scheduled. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they might as well put 10 refs out there with Brady. Exactly. Anyway. I think the prophecies, they know what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. No, they don't. Because in one of the books, and, and literally in my book, one of the prophecies was that one of the heroes was going to die. That was the prophecy. But they found a loophole to where one of them will die, but they have a way to bring it back. Exactly. So the prophecy was true. He died. Yeah, yeah he still died. The prophecy never said he would die and never return. Do the prophecies in the book predict the action of the characters? It didn't yes. predict their actions. It, it predicted it that he would die. It did predict. But it didn't predict how he would die or what was what he was going to well, do. Well, obviously so the prophecy is not going to say at 9.23 a.m. sharp, he is going to fly into Gaia's face <laughs> with a dragon. <laughs> and explode. And explode. It's not going to tell you that. 
But it says, if, if that, I remember right, outcome. fire will burn the earth away. And then something else about a hero dying, which is exactly what happens. Leo, die. with his fire powers, beats Gaia, Earth, and then he dies. They just found a way to bring him back from the dead, which was never stated in the prophecy that that couldn't happen. But it doesn't predict would, what they're going to do to do it. I would agree. It, they didn't know that Leo was going to It did, because it said to Earth or, or to storm or fire, the Earth sure. must fall. To storm so or fire. So it's which telling you. Jason or Leo, yes. which is the two that were predicted to die. No, it was just one of the heroes that was going to die. Exactly. They didn't know Whichever one of them was defeating the Earth is the one who was going to die. And know. that was either Jason or Leo, and one of those two died. Well, they didn't, know, they didn't the know. They didn't know. They did not predict their actions. They did not know it, but it was clearly implied that that's what was going to happen. Yeah. But it doesn't agree. predict what their actions. I would agree with Nate's point to an extent where they predict the prophecy or what's going to happen, but they don't predict exactly what's going to happen. Like what he said before. They predict outcomes, not actions. So you say just outcome, no actions? Yes, just outcome. That's it. I'm going to look up one of these Percy Jackson prophecies. Right well, I mean, I guess, up, yeah, because they never, right here. in the original Percy Jackson books, they never predicted Percy just doing No, because even to. your point, to storm and fire the earth will fall, it's predicting that Jason or Leo is going to be the one to be, defeat Gaia. It, no, it predicts, yeah, it predicts to one of them, it predicts that either they will kill her or the earth will fall. It predicts the outcome. It doesn't say it's, how they're going to do it's it. It's saying to storm or fire, the earth will fall. It's saying that Leo or Jason is going to be the one who defeats God. That's telling how. you the action. No, it's not. Leo or Jason is going to be the one to do it. That's the action. That's the outcome. The outcome is that either Gia will die or the earth will fall. That's the outcome, not the action of what leads to that. No, the action is telling you, It's yes, the outcome is that Gia is going to die or the earth is doomed. But it's telling you the action is going to be taken by Jason or Leo to storm or fire. It says that one of them will be the one to do it. it yes, it's telling you. Out. It's telling you the action is going to be done by one of them. By one of them, not is have, predict the actions of one of them. I swear to God, I'm going to ask Miss Ronald. I am about to. Well, class. she's going to hear this anyway, so you can just ask her now. Miss <laughs> Rondler, vote number one if I'm right. Vote number two if Nathan's right, because we all know number one's better. Fail Austin if he is right. (laughs) Fail Austin if he is correct. We will never know which one it is, okay? How is she supposed to vote one or two? Where are we we putting the vote at? I just want want to get all of our answers out right now before before we go on to our next question. So, Austin, what do you think? It is the outcomes, not actions. Okay, Austin, I see your point, but I still think it's a little bit of both. You clearly don't see my point. So you think it's it's both? I don't say it's both. Okay, I also say it's both. So, Austin, we have just confirmed that you are actually stupid and need to go into an institution. So and I am up, not going free. to give you a compliment. Get out of here, you free. <laughs> <laughs> Dak Prescott does not earn the amount of money he's supposed to be getting. No, he does not. The first three weeks it was looking like that, but we played nobody teams. And then he went on a three-losing yes. streak. You guys lost I mean, to the Jets. He did pretty okay during that three-losing streak. I say I wouldn't put the whole blame on him. But right now, he still needs to prove himself. I would say Dak Prescott is the most overpaid quarterback in the league and the most underpaid. No, he has to be Tom Brady. No, he hasn't been paid yet. He's I know, but I'm saying, I'm saying if he gets his money, he will be the most overpaid quarterback in the league, without a doubt. I just think that personally. Well, we still got to see how he does for the rest of the season. But anyway, do you think the hero's ability to push through hardship, is it, it causes them to accomplish their goals and how? I think that the only reason or the main factor for how they're able to accomplish their goals is their ability to push through the hardship. Because think about 
Percy Jackson situation, you you come home or you go to a trip, I believe it was to a museum in yeah. the first book. And out of nowhere, this teacher who's always been a jerk to you turns into a demon. And then your other teacher, who is in a wheelchair, throws you a pen and tells you to use it you, to fight him. Throws you a pen and says, kill it. And turns this. out to be a centaur. Which later turns out to be a horseman, and that's what was in the wheelchair was a horse body. And your I still friend, don't know how that works. And your best friend has been a satyr the whole time. Your best friend, who who you've never noticed always wears long pants and big shoes, is a, a goat man. Oh my... I just... But imagine you're in that situation. Suddenly you're thrown into all of these hardships and challenges. Your mom dies right in front of you as you get into safety, and she doesn't. And it's just you have to fight all these hardships in order to literally battle gods in Percy's case. Yeah, Percy has fought Hades. He's literally beat the god of war Ares in a fight. Yeah. He's fought some minor gods that nobody knew about. He straight up street fought Ares and beat him. Yeah. He told Ares, put them paws up, and he did and beat him. (laughs) (laughs) Percy Jackson is a perfect example, I think, of fighting hardships. Because he literally has fought gods. He fought Kronos head to head. Giants, Titans. Titans. He he was was he there at the fight with Oh yeah, Gaia? also Percy and Annabeth yeah. Percy and Annabeth went through uh no, no, Tartarus, Tartarus yeah, which is Yeah, Percy literally went through Tartarus and fought Tartarus himself. I just want to point out real quick, Mr. Rombier, because I know you haven't read those books. Tartarus is like the H word <laughs> on crack on crack. And heroin. It is it is the most terrible it's like evil. being poisoned through the air very 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 yes. very slowly and yes. also having tons of people that have died like demons the only giants giant that are Come fine Come without, without getting hurt is monsters titans giants or people that have like yeah, yeah. yeah. if demigods go down it's then described then dead. yeah percy and annabeth describe it as constant continuous pain while they're being hunted by enemies they have defeated before who i think they added an extra word in there dead. before pain but yeah, I don't so know it's podcast worthy. Basically, basically what they're saying is that the monsters are immortal down there. Yeah, monsters are they'll and also if you, you kill, kill them, them but they, they come back. Right they just away. literally come back to life. Yeah, like they'll kill somebody and then two seconds later that person's standing up again, like round two, buddy. And Percy and Annabeth literally had to drink a river of lava to survive down there. Yeah, after falling into a river of dead souls that tried to that drown a spider them, that tried drug to drug them into Percy, it. Percy, yeah. who literally can breathe underwater, almost drowned in there. Yeah. yeah. The the son of the god of water almost drowned. That's how <laughs> yes. bad it was down there. But they were able to push through those kinds of hardships to succeed. And I think that's a huge factor to their success, their ability to just keep going, don't give up. Because they were in the worst possible conditions but that's you can the imagine. That's the worst. And they yep. kept telling themselves, we got to keep going. They also managed to they, – they saved people too. Like they uh... – Percy's brother, the the Cyclops guy. Mm-hmm. They saved yeah. Tyson. Yeah, Tyson yeah. was down there, and they brought him back with them, which yeah. was a lot of pain because Tyson's a. It's Tyson, guys. <laughs> and Tyson learned his past and almost turned on them. Tyson's a little needy. Yeah, and also he also happened to be one of the strongest Titans that ever used to be alive, and he yeah. just didn't know his past. Yeah. So Ty- so Tyson for Mrs. Romuler is one of the bad guys, one of the Titans who wants to kill the gods. But he had his memory wiped, and now he thinks he's Percy's brother. Which he is. Which he, he is, because he's related to Poseidon. But, like, now, it's a long because, of this, because of this situation, he gets his Wait, memories no, this back. Tyson, this is Bob. This is Bob. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, Bob. My yeah, bad. Yeah. Bob is his name. Bob is He's his still name. He's still Poseidon, though. Yeah. Poseidon still, has a lot of those. Still people. same situation, just... Who is it, the one guy? They saved, uh... <sighs> they saved who was it? There was the one guy that always goes... He was in Tartarus, and it was the guy who has to... He kills something... Anyway, I think I think we're getting a little off topic here, so uh-huh. I think we should I think we should bring it back. And uh, so overall, what do you guys think about this question? Do you think? Oh yeah, they, I, they I think definitely pushed through hardship. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. There's I, so many we, we can't even get them done in this in this question. Yeah, yeah. So we've already kind of gone over this question, but how do the events in one of the books affect the next book events? How do you think? Yeah, they just the, the endings of the books lead to the next one. Like with my book how Hephaestus and Leo flew into the book, flew into Gia, died, he came back to life, and that kind of led into Alan's book. In yeah. one of the books, somebody can go missing. In the next book, they're looking for that person, saving them. Yeah. yeah. In my book, they all of a sudden, the person just appears, and he's lost all of his memories. In the Roman camp. We don't even know until he tells that uh, a wolf kind of took his memory, and he got trained in the ways of the Roman. So... I think the great example is with Aiden's book because the first book in that series, The Lost Hero, and the second book, The Son of Neptune, both end at the exact same spot with the Greeks flying their warship directly over the Roman camp to get Percy or to like talk to them. And I think that shows amazing how the books connect that you started with two completely separate people, Jason and Percy, and he was able to bring them together and meet both of their book endings at the exact same spot, and the third book starts right there. The ending, the ending for that didn't end so well because Leo made a joke and it made the Romans kind of like want to kill all of them. Yeah, so he, made away, a, he made he made a joke person, and it ended up almost killing them. But, but yeah, it ended up ending well. But I think, I think these books, the previous book, if you're ever confused, go back to the previous book and it honestly explains everything. It leads into it perfectly. This is just one of those series you cannot skip a book because all the books contain important information about the next one. And it's just – you just need to read them all. 